Good morning, everyone. Happy Ichiro weekend. Anybody else excited about that? <laughs> My name is Julie Hawkins, and I am one of the pastors here. And I am one of those parents that Pastor Rachel just prayed for. I am feeling the overwhelmingness of going back to school. It is particularly hectic in the Hawkins family right now because Aurelia is going into sixth grade. <laughs> She's going to middle school, and that is a little bit overwhelming for me. It's also overwhelming because we are in the process of moving. In fact, we are moving into our new house today. <laughs> like, at the end of the service, it's going to be a benediction and then boxes for me. We're going to go home and move. That wasn't a part of the plan when I said yes to preaching this weekend. We weren't supposed to be moving, so I do have healthy boundaries and all that. It just happened to end up this way. And as I've been looking at back to school and all the things that happened with a move, I kept feeling like I was forgetting something. As I looked at my list of school supplies and change of address and bus routes and everything that you have to do in a situation like that, I knew, I knew that I was forgetting something. I kept looking at my to-do list and looking at my calendar. It doesn't help that my planner is packed in a box somewhere, but I knew I was forgetting something, knew it. But everything was checked off, every box, everything on the school supply list is done. I feel ahead of the game. I'm even working on a sermon for a wedding that I'm officiating next weekend. I was working ahead on it. I was feeling this like sentimental gift that the couple chose the same passage that Joey and I had at our wedding, at our wedding. I don't want to tell you how long it took for me to realize the thing that I was forgetting is our wedding anniversary is on Tuesday. <laughs> 19 years ago, on this very stage, I know we were babies, your babies, but 19 years ago, Joey and I promised to love, honor, and cherish one another. Thank you. We really do love one another, and in the midst of this hectic season, I was just shocked that I could neglect the relationship that was most important to me in this very important day. We're in the last two weeks of our One Another series. We've been examining times in the New Testament where we're called to be in one another's lives, ways that we're encouraging and forgiving and caring for one another. And almost every week, we've said something like, this might be the most challenging one another yet. Well, guess what, brothers and sisters? This might be the most challenging one of all. Because this week's one another, we look at how we are called to care for one another. Now, I'm not talking about the care that the church provides. We have a phenomenal care ministry is with counseling and lay counseling and celebrate recovery, grief share, divorce care, loss of spouse, cancer care. We're even launching a new support group this September called Living Hope that walks alongside people who've experienced trauma. We're not talking about that type of care. And if you want to know more about care ministry at Chapel Hill, you can go by the wood wall after the service, or you can go to our website, or you can even email me, and I can help connect you to that care. Today, we're talking about how we as a church care for one another, how you as the church care for one another, care for the people who are sitting next to you in the pew. In our 21st century culture, it can be so easy, so easy to have a difficult time caring 
for one another because there is so much that is competing for our time and our attention. It is almost impossible to have a moment for ourselves. How in the world are we going to be able to stop and think about someone else? And yet we have this very, very clear call to care for one another. And it is in a self-sacrificing, community-driven way. It's challenging, but I have good news for you. In our text this morning, which is in 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul shows us, he shows us some of the ways that we're called to do this work of caring for one another. But he also shows us that when we care for one another, the whole church benefits from that care. And we care for ourselves in the process too. So we care for the whole body and we care for ourselves when we care for one another. Let's take a look at that text together in 1 Corinthians 12. It'll be up on the screen behind me, starting in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Or if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Paul continues this description of the body and how we're to honor the different parts, whether we consider them weak or honorable. And then he ends by saying that God has intentionally composed the body in this way so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The imagery of the body and the church was a favorite of the Apostle Paul. You might remember that last week our text in Romans also talked about the body as we learned to live in harmony with one another. But we see more examples of this imagery of the church as a body in 1 Corinthians than anywhere else in the New Testament. And there are a few reasons why. A couple of things that it's good for you to know about the city of Corinth and the church of Corinth. Corinth was a waterfront community that was known for its affluence. Does that sound a little familiar to anybody? <laughs> the Corinthians, they were known for their focus on outward appearance and outward experiences. There was this massive amphitheater where they would have games. They were second only to the Olympics in the first century. And the Corinthians, because of this fascination, they were fascinated with the human body. 
from outward things like clothes and jewelry because of their wealth and affluence, to the intellect of the brain because of their closeness to Athens, to pleasure and physique. How you appeared on the outside, it was extremely important in Corinth. And it was true and extremely important to the Corinthian church too. So when Paul uses this imagery of the body, the church would have found it very relatable. The entire city would have been able to relate to it. And so here he uses that imagery to describe how the church, the body, are called to care for one another. And this imagery of the body, it shows us that caring for one another, it's a total body workout. It's good for all of us, both as individual members and the church as a whole. And so this morning we're going to look at some of the ways that we see how we can care for one another as a body. And when we care for the body, we care for ourselves and we care for those around us. So it's a total body workout, but it's also self-care. In our text this morning, we see this in three ways. Paul calls us to be present, to be authentic, and to be empathetic. Let's look at that first one. First, be present. I love my gym. Like, I'm one of those people that talks about my gym all the time. You know how you know that somebody goes to the gym? They tell you that they go to the gym. That's me. I love my gym. I've been going there for over a year, and I have to tell you that even though I love it so much, every single day, it's a battle to get there. The hardest part of going to the gym for me is showing up. Every morning, my alarm goes off, at about 4.45, that might be part of the problem, but my alarm goes off at 4.45, and I find myself counting the number of hours that I slept. I rate the quality of my sleep. I find any excuse to hit snooze. The thing that always gets me out of bed, this says a lot about me, is I calculate the value per visit based on how much I pay for my membership. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta get to the gym. I gotta make it worth my money. By that time, I'm awake from doing so much math that I am out of bed and on my way. Showing up is the first step, and it is often the hardest. If we wanna be a community that cares for one another, we have to show up. We have to be present. Paul points to this three times in this passage. He says, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If all were a single member, where would the body be? And now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. The church is this body made up of many members. And it's when the church gathers together for proclamation of the word, for observance of the sacraments, for building one another up, for fellowship, for time together, that we form a body that is made up of all different parts. A favorite saying of Pastor Marx, he likes to say that there's no such thing as lone wolf Christianity. And he's right. A follower of Jesus who is not a part of a community, they stick out like a sore severed thumb all on their own. It's when we all come together in community that we make up this body, this fully functioning body of Christ. And we need that body to be together, to be present, because that's how we care for one another. Part of our total body workout is bringing that body together, being present. And that might sound obvious to you, but we live in a day and age when it's easier than ever not to show up. There is so much competing for our time. There is so much 
going on in our life. There are distractions and events. We're constantly flooded with information and news. We have these little things that we call phones. I can't remember the last time I used this as a phone, but we have these little things at our fingertips that make us feel like community is right there. And none of those things are bad things. These are all good things to have in our life, but when they keep us from being a part of a real community, they keep us from being a part of the body and they keep us from being part of a system of care. We cannot care for one another if we are not present. And remember, I said that the whole body benefits from this. The whole body benefits when we're gathered together. I really felt that this morning during worship. When I was sitting there singing and I heard all of your voices singing together, I benefited from that. The whole body benefited from our voices together. But we benefit as individuals too. When I go to the gym, I get to work out with a group of women who are encouraging me, they're challenging me, they're pushing me to go a little bit further, maybe lift a little bit heavier. I feel that benefit. Sometimes I feel that benefit for days. Like, right now, I'm feeling the benefit from my Friday workout. I'm quite sore. We benefit from encouraging one another and being together as individuals. When we gather as the body, when we study scriptures together, when we're in our life groups, it benefits the whole body, but it also benefits each one of us individually because we get to see the body of Christ from a different perspective. We get to see God through the eyes of someone else and we get to encourage and be with one another. Now, you are all sitting here today, present, <laughs> so you might be thinking, well, check. I'm here, therefore I am present. And that is great. We are so glad that you're here. We are so, we are just always thrilled when the body of Christ gathers together in worship. And we hope that you are connecting in community through life groups, through Celebrate Recovery, through service opportunities. That's part of caring for one another. But there is a lot more to caring for one another than just showing up. In fact, I wanna ask you a challenging question today. Now don't worry, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand or anything. This is like a, like, you know, eyes closed, head bowed, everybody in the room type of thing. How many of you know the name of the person sitting in the pew in front of you? Or the pew behind you? Or I see you looking around, yeah. Or next to you? I'm sure that all of you were able to name the person in front of you, behind you, beside you. You were able to name their kids. You know their name of their pet parakeet, right? <laughs> Probably not, and that's why we need to continue on this journey. We can't just be present. We need to take another step in our care for one another. We need to be present, but we also need to be authentic. We need to be authentic in knowing who we are as individuals and in sharing who we are with others. Let's look at what Paul says about this. He says, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body was an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. I really hope that when the Corinthians read this letter for the first time, that they laughed out loud at that part, because it's pretty funny 
to think about. Feet wanting to be hands, the whole body as this giant floating eye. But in this, Paul is emphasizing something very important. He's emphasizing that each part of the body has a specific role, a specific purpose, a specific gift. We might want to try on another part, right? We might think, oh, I want that role, I want that purpose, I want that gift. But we are called to a specific purpose, a specific role, a specific gift. And God arranged those parts of the body. We need to live into that. God chose to put you exactly where you are. God chose to create you exactly as you are. You are uniquely made, fearfully and wonderfully made. There is no one else like you. I tell my kids that when I pray over them at night. There is no one else like you. There's no one else like you. Whatever that role, purpose, gift that you have, God gave it to you. That's an incredible thing. And God gave it to you so that you can use that gift within the body of Christ. In order for the body to function, we need each other to use God-given gifts that he created us to use. We need to be showing up and using those gifts because you might have a gift that the person sitting in the pew next to you doesn't have. And so we need all of those parts for us to be a functioning body, living into those gifts, living into that calling. It helps the body of Christ function and it helps us care for one another. If you have the gift of hospitality, I hope that you're sharing meals with other people I hope that you're welcoming people into your home. If you have the gift of intercessory prayer, I hope that you're constantly stopping people and saying, how are you? How can I pray for you? I hope that you are using those gifts and that you know what those gifts are and that you're authentically living into them. Be authentic. Live into your gifts. But being authentic, it goes beyond caring for one another in our gifts. It also helps us know who needs care. We need to be authentic by being present with one another, but we also need to be authentic so we know what's happening in one another's life. Like I said, you might not know the names of the people in the pews around you. You could come here every week, sing some songs, hear an encouraging sermon from God's word, and then leave these doors never talking to the people around you. It's a sad reality that there are people that come to church every single week, their entire life, and they never meet the people that they are worshiping with. And I think that this happens for a couple of reasons. We see one of them in our text, one of the issues that Paul was addressing with the Corinthians was this issue of outward appearance, concern with social status, what others thought, what part of the body people thought they were. The the temptation is very real for us today. People ask, how are you doing? How do we answer? I'm fine. I'm great. Everything's fine. I think that a part of the reason that we don't know how to tell the person in the, or why we don't know the person in the pew in front of us or next to us is that we're afraid of that level of authenticity of sharing what's really going on in our life. We worry that if people see what is really going on with us, that they see that we don't have it all together, that they might not like us or they might perceive us in a certain way. And I use that word we on purpose because we are all in this together. Just like High School the Musical says, we are all broken people. We are all in this together. 
if you are sitting there thinking, if they only knew what I was going through, if they only knew what was happening in my life, you were in the right place because we are all in it. None of us have it together. And so I want to challenge you after the service to start that process of authenticity, of getting to know people. I want you to introduce yourself to somebody around you, maybe somebody that you don't know. Now you might be thinking, but I'm really sure that I met that person before and I just don't remember their name and that's gonna be so embarrassing. I'm giving you a free pass today. Everybody gets a free pass. You, I mean, it might be your cousin that you've forgotten their name and you can say, have we met? Uh, so please go and meet somebody because again, the whole body benefits from this because we learn what's going on in another person's life and we learn how to care for one another. We benefit from it and we benefit from it personally too. I can tell you how I've benefited from this personally. In the last eight months, I have been a part of a step study. A step study is a part of Celebrate Recovery and it's a deep dive into past hurts and habits and hangups. And when I was first invited to join this step study, I was hesitant. And then I felt like, well, you know, I'm the pastor who is overseas Celebrate Recovery. It's in one of my buckets, so I should probably go be a good team member and all of that. But I really felt like I wouldn't be able to be authentic in that space. I thought, you know, I'm a pastor. I can't share my past hurts. I can't share what's going on in my life. I can't be authentic. And what about the other women that I meet with? Could they be authentic with me? I have to tell you that this has become a sacred space for me, the gift of these authentic relationships. I had to miss it this last week, and I felt that body of Christ peace because I felt like I was missing a limb all week, not being able to be with this, these women. Sitting with these women and sharing openly and authentically, honestly, not trying to fix anybody, not trying to pastor anybody. It's actually in the guidelines that we're not allowed to fix anybody else. We just sit and live in beautiful, authentic relationship. It has shown me what it's like to be in family with one another, part of the body of Christ. I want all of you to have that level of authenticity in relationships because when you taste it, when you get it, it's just like so sweet, you never wanna go back again. And so I want to encourage you to enter into relationship with one another. Because when we're present to one another, when we're authentic in our calling, in our relationships, we're able to care for one another. Because being present, being authentic, it allows us to be empathetic. The word empathy, it's a popular word these days, and the definition is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. It is so important in the body of Christ that we have empathy. Our text calls us to have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer. If one member rejoices, all rejoice. The word that Paul uses here for care is mutual concern. Care for somebody like they were a part of you. And if one member suffers, all suffer. Empathy is written right into it. Can't you see it? That feeling that we use, I feel your pain, that belongs in the body of Christ. We feel one another's pain. If one of us in pain, is in pain, all of us are in pain together. I want you to think about like jamming your finger. I got a sliver last week in my finger. It ruined 
my day. My whole body was in pain because of this one little thing in one part of my body. If you injure one part of the body of Christ, the rest of the body of Christ feels it. The rest of the body of Christ suffers along with it. If one part of the body of Christ is rejoicing, every one of us should be cheering on, rejoicing with them as if it were happening to ourselves. That person who's sitting next to you, they are a part of your body. Don't you want to know what's happening in their life so that you can care for them? Don't you want to know when they suffer, when they rejoice? Because it's happening to you because you're a part of this body. When we care for one part of the body of Christ, we care for all parts of the body of Christ. Each one of us benefits to, from that care. We, of course, see this example in our Savior, Jesus. Jesus, he was present, fully present. He came to us fully present, fully man, and he lived fully authentically. He was the most authentic person ever to walk the, the earth, and he did so in complete obedience. And Jesus, he didn't just suffer with us. Jesus, he took on our suffering. He took on our suffering so that we might be the body of Christ. That's the way that we become this body together, is through that presence, that authenticity, that suffering that Jesus had on our behalf. So let's follow his example. Let's be the people who are present and authentic and empathetic so that we might be a people who care for one another in this self-sacrificing, community-driven way. I want to challenge you today to do two things. First, introduce yourself to somebody after the service. You get a free pass today if you've forgotten their name. Like, this is the one day to be like, I've met this person 50 times and I can't remember their name. You got a free pass. Go introduce yourself to them. And second, I want you to call somebody this week, a brother or sister in Christ. I want you to call them and I want you to ask them, how are you doing? And if they say, fine, I want you to get a little bit pushy. <laughs> I want you to say, no, really, how are you doing? How can I care for you? And then I want you to share how you're doing too. I want you to care for one another, to pray for one another, to be there for one another, be present, be real, so that you can enter into that empathetic relationship. Because if you all do that, guess what? We all get to benefit from it as the body of Christ. So let's be those people who care for one another. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we're so thankful that through the work of your son Jesus that we are the body of Christ, that we do get to gather together. Thank you that Christ suffered for us so that we might be a part of his body. We pray that you would grow our hearts in the way that we care for one another, that we wouldn't feel like we have to put up a false front, that we wouldn't feel like it's about who we are on the outside, but instead we would continually be transformed by the work of your son Jesus and that we would do that alongside one another. Help us to be open and honest. Challenge us to be present in relationship. Would you call us into deeper, more authentic relationship with others around us so that we might be in deeper, more authentic relationship with you? Would we be able to show the world what it means to be a caring community by the way that we enter into relationship with one another? 
And would you call us to do it more and more and more by the power of your Holy Spirit and through the gift of your son, Jesus. And we pray this in the name of our Savior, Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thanks for joining us today at Chapel Hill Church. If you'd like to visit us in person, we're located at 7700 Scancy Avenue, Gig Harbor, Washington. Our worship services are Sundays at 9 and 10.30. We hope to see you there. To learn more about our upcoming events, visit us online at chapelhillpc.org.